It's time for The Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's The Car Doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to get you through your car problems or give you a hand with your car problems or maybe just stand around with a big fan and try to cool you off because it's been a hot and humid week for people, and I know they've been having some problems uh, kind of all over the place with heat and temperature and people's air conditioning in their cars have been suffering a little bit, and it's that kind of weather, and especially if maybe... Maybe in the past few years you had some repairs done to your car and maybe somebody put a different air conditioner condenser in and it wasn't the factory condenser and you might find out that the air conditioner works but it doesn't work quite as good as it should it wasn't exactly the same as the factory one and when it's sitting there in an idle it just can't quite do the job the way the factory one did but we'll we'll talk about those kind of things and other things uh, coming up in the next 90 minutes but right now old-time friend of mine, Sam Fiorani. Sam is uh, was out in the Boston area for quite a few years and then moved back to Pennsylvania. And um, just a, a guy who knows a lot about... He's got to be a hundred years old, although I, he's, I know he's not, but, uh, but he's, uh, but he knows an awful lot about old cars and he's a new car analyst at the same time. Sam, good morning and welcome back to Boston. Good morning. How are you? Good. Well, first off, uh, let's, let's explain you a little bit and what you do, what your real, what your real job is or your day job is. I'm vice president of automotive forecasting, vehicle forecasting for auto forecast solutions. Uh, we take care of uh, suppliers and VMs and uh, even uh, some of the financial institutions, uh, telling them what's happening in the automotive industry, tell them what's going to happen in the future, uh, let them get prepared for any changes coming up. Can you just uh, come up with six lottery numbers for me? I can, but can none you? of them will win. No, I'm pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of the same way. But uh, it's been a pretty good year for uh, vehicle manufacturers, hasn't it? It has. Uh, they're looking. North America is looking at a, another record uh, since the uh, the downfall in, in 2007, 2008, and uh, we're looking at um, record sales. All, it's it's all in all looking like a great year. Hmm. Does any one company stand out more than anybody else? Or, or I guess, kind of, if you had to pick like a couple winners and a couple losers, what is, what's it looking like? Well, Subaru's been doing fantastic for so long, and uh, they're just running out of space to build cars. Uh, they're they're already working on expanding their plant in North America, and they'll have uh, another half million unit year this year. It's going to be. Mm. Great for such a small company just a few years ago. Mm. And on the other hand, it's uh, Mitsubishi is looking to close their plant. Yeah. Yeah, and that seems to be more of a... uh, I think, you know, I kind of look at Mitsubishi and say, you know, there's sort of a best-kept secret. They just got to tell people they really exist. And I think that's one of Mitsubishi's problems right now. And with them closing their plant, I guess there there's a lot of different uh, background stories to that. But, you know, right now the Outlander's a pretty good car. The Outlander Sport's a pretty good vehicle. Uh, there's, there's some 
pretty decent product, I understand, in the pipeline from Mitsubishi, but nobody knows about it. The, the big problem with their plant is that it, it supports exports to Russia, hmm. and the Russian market isn't doing so well. And so there's about probably about half that plant goes to Russia. Hmm. And it's a it's a two hundred thousand unit plant, but they're only building about sixty or seventy thousand units yeah. there. Yeah. So really now I don't it. know much about what vehicle manufacturing, but my you know kind of intuition is if you're going to or export a car to Russia, probably building it in one of the most expensive places in the world to build it, and then ship it to Russia isn't a good financial move. I'm sure it was a great idea a few years ago when they had nothing coming out of that plant. But yeah. uh, uh, after a few years and then a crash in Russia, you really don't have uh, much to do with that plant. And yeah. and it is also the only transplant that is uh, uh, run by the UAW. Mm. Yeah, good good point. So I know I, it's funny you mentioned Subaru. I I know I was uh, I ran into uh, Ernie Bach, big car dealer up in this area, at the New York Auto Show back in April, and uh, he uh, it, it was kind of funny. I went over and introduced myself to him, and of course he's like a rock star. He's got his own little entourage and all, and and and, and actually he's always been very nice to me. And I introduced him myself to him, and he said, "Oh yeah, you're an auto writer, right?" And I'm, and I kind of went, "Yeah, good guess at the press day of the auto show." But uh, uh, but we were talking about Subaru, and he said, "You know, the change in Subaru in the past ten years actually has to do with sort of one guy at Subaru." in Japan that finally listened to uh, the American market and said, you know, we got to build a little bit bigger cars for the American market. And they did. And that seemed to really be what made Subaru take off in the past few years. It, it, it's been a long time coming for Subaru. They, uh, when they, back when, uh, when they introduced the Impreza, it, they were going to go after Civics. And uh, it, it was just not, not the right car to go against hmm. the Civic. Hmm. But uh, they finally realized that all-wheel drive was their niche, and right. their all-wheel drive cars were spectacular. Yeah. And uh, when, once they took that off, then the, the brand went off. And then, like you said, the Legacy got bigger, the Impreza got bigger, the Forester got bigger, mm-hmm. and, and they all are selling really well. Yeah, and it's kind of funny you mentioned that. And you may have even been in Boston at the time when Ernie Bach's father was at a intro, and there was some uh, Japanese executives from Subaru there, and... I believe it may have even been, well, I was going to say, I don't remember who asked the question, but somebody said, what's the difference in cost between the front-wheel drive legacy and the all-wheel drive legacy? And it was about 800 bucks. Right. And Ernie looked at the executive and said, why do we even bother selling the front-wheel drive version? And that was the last time I think we saw a front-wheel drive legacy in the United States. Right, right. Back when yeah. when the Impreza came out, I was uh, uh, close with the, the head of communications for for Subaru, and his idea, as he pitched it to uh, the company, was go all-wheel drive all the time. Hmm. And they turned on him and said, "No, no, no, we can't do that. You know, we got to sell these front-wheel drive cars." And the the Impreza did not take off the way, the way it should have. Hmm. And then when they turned around and went all-wheel drive, then the, the company just started catching fire. Yeah, it, it really made a lot of sense. And, and like you said, Mitsubishi's struggling a little bit. Is there is there anybody else out there that's struggling a little bit, or is everybody doing pretty good because the economy's taking a little bit of a turn in the right direction? The, the companies struggling are uh, struggling relative to the... the uh, great times that the big companies are having. Oh, okay. And it, it, everybody's doing relatively well. They're, um, 
Hyundai and Kia are are um, gaining uh, market share like you mm. couldn't believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chrysler and Fiat have increased their their sales every month since uh, people can remember. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a real good point. I I actually, and I'm going to play the interview a little bit later. I had the opportunity. I I ran into Al Gardner, the president of Chrysler Brands, at a Red Sox game, and I had a, I had about ten minutes to chat with him about you know what's kind of new and hot at Chrysler and how things are going. And um, he tells a very enthusiastic story. So you know, it looks like things are going to be good for them as well. Chrysler, Chrysler has some uh, great stuff right now, but the the problem is their uh, Marchione is looking at trying to save some money and try to prepare the company for the future and mm. some of the projects have, have gotten delayed mm. yeah that, that's that's uh, certainly true and it's it's kind of funny when you said you know some of the manufacturers aren't doing as well relative to the other i suppose it's sort of like into you know whatever exxon mobile losing you know saying they lost money this year well because they didn't make you know 400 billion dollars they only made 300 billion so right yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I said that you're a historian and you have to be 100 years old because you know an awful lot about old cars. How did you get involved in the old car hobby? Well, I've always been into cars. And uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, I was watching a show about car, car history. It was the greatest cars of all time or something to that effect. And they interviewed a woman named uh, Beverly Ray Kimes. And it said, uh, automotive historian, uh, president of the Society of Automotive Historians. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a group I'd like to get involved with. Hmm. And so I, I looked them up, and uh, this was pre-internet age, and I found who they were and got involved with them and was uh, uh, a board member for a number of years and wrote their newsletter and uh, met some of the most amazing people. Hmm. Yeah, it it is. Uh, you know the uh, the you know old cars and the history of old cars is always fascinating. But I always uh, kind of say that you know being involved in the old car hobby, even to me as kind of a casual observer, the passion people have about their their older cars and older can be now you know cars of the eighties. Um, but you know the the passion people have about these cars. I was at a cookout last Sunday, and there was a guy who showed up in a um, 428 wedge dual quad Dodge Coronet. And it was the lightweight car that they used as sort of, you know, this is the car that we're going to make enough use them for NASCAR. And, uh, and I said to the guy, this thing's phenomenal. I, and he said, oh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, the delete car. He said, you know, it's not supposed to have a back seat. The The front seat was designed to be mounted in one spot. Uh, it has the uh, brackets that hold the seat in place are made out of aluminum. The, uh, you know, it doesn't have power brakes. It doesn't have power steering. It doesn't have air conditioning. There's no even, uh, there's no heater, you know, controls or box or anything in the car. And under the hood is this gigantic v8 engine with dual quad manifolds and these gigantic cast iron headers and um just the story he told about how he found the body of the car and where it was and while he was there he got talking to somebody else who he only who he didn't really know this was just a group of people that got together for a cookout and they got talking about this other guy's car and he's like wait a second where did you buy that car and he said oh i bought it down in a cushnet um and it, it didn't it didn't have an engine in it when i bought it and he's and he looks at him and he goes the gas pedal is the gas pedal kind of weird looking it's sort of mounted to the floor and 
He's, and the guy's like, yeah. He says, and it works great. He said, whoever put that gas pedal in, he's like, that's my car. I sold <laughs> I sold that car in like 1979 or something. And just the idea that there's, you know, this giant world of cars that actually gets pretty small when people start talking about them. And that one happened to be just, uh, I think that may have been another old uh, Dodge. So it was, it was just a really interesting story and in how it came together. And he bought the car originally for, uh, I think, you know, five or six hundred dollars. He sold it to somebody without an engine in it. That guy sold it to this guy for six thousand dollars, and now this guy's thinking of selling it and wants you know thirty five thousand for it. But when, when I was uh, really active in the Society of Automotive Historians, I, I met a gentleman named Fred Rowe who lived in uh, Holliston, Massachusetts, and Fred was was a font of information like you wouldn't believe. He uh, actually wrote a book about Duesenbergs, and uh, he was such a, a, a knowledge of Duesenbergs. One time I was at his house and he had a book, some cheap little book about Duesenbergs. It was on really cheap paper, but under each picture he had written in the serial number of each car in each picture. He knew them that well. Oof. And uh, this this gentleman, he went to school, he went to MIT, he was from Maryland, and he went to MIT for a few years, back in the 30s, I believe. And when he first started there, there was a car dealership in Boston that had a Rolls Royce that he wanted. So he decided he was going to buy it, and he didn't have money in the fall, but somehow he, he came up with $150 for it in the spring. And when his mother came up to get him, they, he bought the car, and the two of them drove home. Over the years, he sold the car, and the car changed hands a number of times. And he was in a museum one time, and he saw the car in a museum. And he was talking to the curator of the museum and said, oh, you're missing this plaque on the side of the car. The guy goes, oh, yeah, we haven't gotten around to restoring that part of it. And Fred reached into his pocket and pulled out the actual plaque from that car. Mm. And he goes, here you go. That goes on that car. Hmm. He, he and his friends had salvaged all kinds of cars from, from the junkyard back when they were worth nothing. And some of the cars are among the most rare cars in the world. He had said they had collected Duesenbergs, including Model Xs, which number in the double digits ever built. Hmm. And all kinds of cars. He he made a fantastic presentation of all the cars that he and his friends had collected and and pulled out of junkyards over the years. Yeah, I I met somebody years ago that he was always one of those guys like a like a lot of us who says if I only had the space to put it that would be a great car to and he ended up buying in his uh, as he was getting ready for retirement he bought an old dairy farm and he bought it just for the barn right. So he could. So he said, "I never want to be able to say that, you know, the guy who has the uh, the woody wagon that is, you know, started to restore it and lost, you know, lost ambition with it and had all the parts sitting in boxes and might be a nice thing to tinker with." Or I think the other one I remember him telling me about was a LaSalle that, um, you know, basically was just covered with a tarp that uh, that actually start up and you know would start up and run, but you know back to it and he said i want to have space for these cars and try to if i can't if i can't complete them at least i want to have some place where they're somewhat preserved where somebody else can at least look at them and you know maybe do something with them at some point but he he bought the barn with not the idea that i'm going to try to you know turn it into a museum but just a place where he could sort of put these cars aside and kind of preserve them a little bit and you know uh, uh, it's just you know people that have that ability to do that i think it's it's fascinating i see a huge warehouse and i think that'd be a good place for a good start on a car collection that's right that's right exactly or, or an old firehouse and you can live upstairs over it <laughs> my my interest in old cars usually goes to the oddballs 
you go to a nice car show and you'll see a row of 57 Chevys or mm-hmm. uh, Corvettes or Mustangs, and I walk right past them to find the oddball car that's sitting at the other end. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, I was judging a car show in Pennsylvania, and this gentleman had a car off to the side. It was a bright yellow three-wheeler. You couldn't miss the thing. And I walked over and talked to him about it, and he said it was a thrifty. It was a very rare car built in 47, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he found it on eBay, did all the research he could on the car, and restored it. And it was a beautiful rest- restoration for a guy who uh, learned everything he did on the Internet on this car. And a few years later, I was at the, the big Hershey car show where uh, the Antique Automobile Club has their meeting every year. And the car was sitting in the, in the car corral for sale. I said, what are you getting rid of your car? This is a great car. And he said, oh, I got another project. I said, oh, what kind of project did you find? He said, I got a Moe's. And I just, I looked at him, I nearly snapped. I went, you mm. do not have a Moe's. He goes, you know what a Moe's is? I said, of course I do. That's that's the one of the holy grails of uh, oddball car collecting. And the, the car was built in the Wisconsin. They built four of these cars over a period of uh, four years. And he has one of the finished ones. Wow. And uh, ended up restoring the car. to it. The car is built on an international travel all chassis, so it's 20 feet long, stands about 5 feet tall, and it's just a massive car, but the proportions are so big that it looks normal in pictures. Hmm. And he had it had a giant Rolls-Royce-style grill and a big mascot on the, on the hood of it, and his car didn't have a mascot, but he said he was driving around one day, and he looked off to the side and he realized where the mascot came from. The mascot was the eagle on top of a, a flagpole. Hmm. And he took one and put it, mounted it on yep. his car, and the, he took it to Hershey a couple years later after he restored it, and it is just it, just, it gathered a huge crowd at the show because no one had ever seen one. Yeah, that sounds sounds fascinating. Hey, Sam, can you hang on with us for a few minutes? I think we need to take a break. Uh, Why don't we take a quick break? We're talking with Sam Fiorani. He is an automotive analyst and automotive historian and generally good guy. Uh, My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or online at WROLradio.com. We'll be right back. Hey there, it's Kurt again. Yep, your interstate battery guy. With some really cool gadgets that are going to add fun, fun, fun to your summertime. Right now, we have a bunch of incredible sounding rechargeable Bluetooth speakers. So now you all can sing along with me anywhere, on the beach or in the shower. Your family will love that. To find us fast at interstatebatteries.com in Woburn, come on by, have a listen, sing along with me, and while you're there, we'll check your battery. No charge. Get it? Remember, work, rest, or play, always choose outrageously dependable interstate batteries. Hi, this is Paul Sullivan of the Sullivan Tire Company. Summer road trips are finally upon us, and we have another great deal for you. Thanks, Paul. If you've been putting off buying tires, now's the time to do it. All this month, buy three, get one free. Or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire Value Line tires in stock. Sullivan Tire is New England's tire headquarters with thousands of quality tires in stock at the best prices. Sullivan Tire is a full-service maintenance center with over 100 certified master technicians standing 
stopping by to keep your car running right. Again, all this month, buy three, get one free, or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire Value Line tires in stock. For details, visit SullivanTire.com slash 60 years or call 877-592-TIRE. For over 60 years, our family has been servicing New England motorists. Thank you for trusting us with your vehicle and letting us grow alongside your family. I count. I count. I count. At CBCU, I count. When you become a member of the City of Boston Credit Union, you count. CEO, Dan Trombley. I like the fact that we're owned by our members, and unlike previous jobs that I had in banking, where we were sort of looking out for shareholders all the time, it's refreshing to get back to just helping members. CBCU Treasurer, Susan Connolly. The goal is to serve the member and to try to do the best in the interest of the member. They're not out to make money. They're out to do whatever can help the average person, the person who doesn't have a lot of money but needs the services. When I think of what we're supposed to be doing here at the credit union, I always try to look at it from the member's perspective and make sure that we're looking out for their best interests. I count. I count. Be part of a financial service institution where you count. The City of Boston Credit Union. CityofBostonCU.com. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. We're talking with Sam Fiorani. He is an automotive historian, an automotive analyst, and... uh, just knows an awful lot about cars and we were talking about some of the oddball cars that are out there and uh, you know one of the one of the uh, tv shows and and i watched some of the automotive tv shows and some of them are some of them are awful uh I'm, i will admit i'm not a huge counting car show it seems so contrived um I I do like I, I do like Wayne Carini's show chasing classic cars cuz i've talked to Wayne a few times and he seems pretty honest and legitimate um you know what you see is what you get and i think a lot of that with the tv show um you know there's some of that it's it's not so Ooh, look in this garage that we've never been in before sort of thing and uh one show that i will say i'm a little bit um fascinated by is this new show that somehow they managed to do it in cuba already but uh watching how they put you know the the uh the junkyard engineering that takes place to keep these cars, keep these old, you know, 1940s and 50s cars on the road. Sam, have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one, but I've been following uh, Cuba for a number of years, and the, those, the, the engineers who build those cars in, in Cuba just are amazing how they can keep those cars on the road. They, people keep thinking they're going to go to Cuba and find a, a fully restored 1950s Buick, and they're not. They're, they yeah. look like a Buick on the outside, but they are they are running, and they are running well enough for for their uses there. Yeah. But uh, they are not no, restored. Yeah, yeah. There there was a car club where they had some actually very nicely restored cars, but there isn't a lot of parts. And and to be able to actually find one with you know three quarters of an engine in it is pretty good. But the the storyline is following a, a, a cab driver who his only form of income besides the twenty dollars a month or whatever he gets from from Cuba is driving a, driving a cab. 
And the engine that was originally in the cab was a diesel engine, I think, out of a boat. And um, they found a what they describe as a racing engine. They're going to put in this cab. Well, it looks like it was a quad four out of a out of a Oldsmobile. So they're taking a front wheel drive design engine and they're going to put it in this car. And I'm looking at you know what they're trying to do when they have some guys showing up with a with a welder to try to fix some of the frame on this poor rusty car and the welder looks like something it looks like a combination of a 1930s radio and a set of jumper cables and and it's just amazing that they can actually get, put anything together and i i was i was looking at it and i'm like you know these guys are taking parts that have no business being you know being connected to each other and they managed to make them all work and, and it's it's pretty fascinating although i have to say there's a there's a lot of uh, uh, a little bit of, well not a lot a little bit of poor editing where all of a sudden they you know they have a steering box apart and you know the, the next thing you know they're fixing it with a universal joint which uh, <laughs> uh, which is just you know bad editing on the producer's <laughs> part but but it is it's a pretty fascinating show yeah those, the reality yeah. shows that they are all about the editing. They're all about the, the drama for the most part. You know, right. Wayne Carini's show, uh, Barry Maguire's show, those ones I, I kind of enjoy because they show the background, they show the, the people, they show, uh, they, they seem to show more reality than the reality mm. shows. Yeah, it, it, they yeah they they really do, and and it's just uh, to me it's just uh, it's just sort of fun to watch, you know the the again these uh, you know I, I like to call them junkyard engineers where they you know manage to you know if well I'll say this if you know one of these people was on the island with Gilligan they would have gotten off right absolutely yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah so uh, but yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating stuff so when you when you if you had uh, you know you woke up tomorrow and you did manage to pick those six winning lot numbers um what would be a couple of cars that you'd want to add to your obscure car collection well less obscure i I, my daily driver would be a tesla uh we since we uh since they opened the store in in uh, philadelphia here Mm -hmm. we got we got a test drive the day before they opened the store and our half our office was there and we just fell in love with that car and the lottery at the time was like 200 million dollars and we just mm. all got out of the car and went we need to win this lottery this week this yeah. is a spectacular car mm. uh, I have uh, dreams of owning classic Bugattis the uh, Bugatti Royale which they built six of is one of those cars that I would would love to be able to get behind the wheel mm. but you know those are worth 10 to 15 to 20 million dollars each that's right uh, a nice Ford, original Ford GT40 uh, especially one of the roadworthy ones. Hmm. They, yeah, no, those, those are good cars. And you, you know, it's it's interesting. Tesla is struggling, not struggling in Massachusetts, but I, but they haven't been able to sell cars in Massachusetts legitimately, I guess, because they've been selling them at a, at a mall and they service them at an old uh, Toyota dealership. And they, they, when you buy one, it actually comes out of New York, I think. And but I noticed there's an there was a, um, a former. I think it might have been a Lincoln Mercury dealership that now has a Tesla sign out in front. And, oh wow! Yeah, so uh, they may actually be starting to sell some cars. And uh, and I commented on Facebook the other day that I saw a Tesla on Route 495, and it had a California plate on it, and it got here somehow. <laughs> they do have the superchargers where they they claim they can go coast to coast. 
Yeah, and and maybe and maybe this and and for all I know, maybe it, they they did that, or maybe it was shipped here, or maybe he was the the driver of the car was on his way to the new Tesla dealership. Maybe it was an employee or something of Tesla. I I don't know, um, but they they're a pretty fascinating car, and I believe uh, I think it was um, Ezra Dyer in in uh, uh, in Car and Driver, I think, brought a Tesla to a drag strip and drag raced like uh the m5 uh yeah 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 and drag raced a bunch of cars and i think he won 11 out of 12 times that's a great video to watch yeah that that car when i drove that car i was on a side street and i said i just want to see what kind of acceleration this has and i honestly felt like the front wheels had come off the ground because the steering got so light Mm. yeah it's uh, i i have yet to drive one oh you have to get behind the wheel okay Get wrangle one up soon and, and drive it because there is, there is nothing like it on the road today. Yeah, it, it's uh, certainly a fascinating car, and I think I think that they you know after after their their sports car, which you know wasn't exactly a huge success because of a lot of reasons, but I think going to a luxury four door sedan made an awful lot of sense with them compared to you know saying okay we're going to build a forty thousand dollar electric car. Well, they're, when their forty or fifty thousand dollar electric car comes out in a year or two, three, it'll be interesting to see how it does against uh, the yep. low priced Chevys. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Sam, we got to go. We got to pay some bills. If people want to find out more information about you, is there some place they can do it? Uh, I don't have a web page, but you can always do, uh, do a search on my name, and it, it shows up. It's uh, Sam Fiorani. Yep, or or uh, they can find you on Facebook with some unique posts as well, right? Definitely find me on Facebook. All right. Hey, Sam, thanks. Have a great one. Take care. Talk soon. Automotive historian and automotive analyst. He's the go-to guy if you want to find out some information. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be right back. Hey, there's Kurt again. Yep, your interstate battery guy. With some really cool gadgets that are going to add fun, fun, fun to your summertime. Right now, we have a bunch of incredible sounding rechargeable Bluetooth speakers. So now you all can sing along with me anywhere, on the beach or in the shower. Your family will love that. To find us fast at interstatebatteries.com in Woburn, come on by, have a listen, sing along with me, and while you're there, we'll check your battery. No charge. Get it? Remember, work, rest, or play, always choose outrageously dependable interstate batteries. It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. And again, you can call us at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And we are going to be doing uh, a trivia question coming up in a little bit. And we're also going to be giving away a device it's called a blue driver and you might say what's a blue driver a blue driver is a device you plug into the computer port on your car and you need to have a smartphone you need to have an android phone
or iPhone, something like that. And what it does through a Bluetooth connection and the uh, the free application, you can read the computer codes on your car. You can also know if your car is ready for a um, inspection. Say you put a battery in your car or something, and you you weren't sure about. Um, you know, uh, the, all the uh, monitors uh, have kind of gone away, and you want to make sure the monitors are reset and ready to go. This device can do that. It can also read um, a variety of other codes, not just uh, engine codes. So we're going to be doing that, and in fact, if you want to try to win that, uh, this is one of these things we're going to put uh, names in a hat again. So uh, you're going to need to... Um, to enter in to win that and it's pretty pretty easy to do all you need to do is um it's simple all you need to do is send me an email and we'll be able to uh you know do do something along those lines and we'll get we'll get that out to you and you'll be able to uh test your own car so uh, we have we have that coming up so we'll do that as well and um i think we have the Rick question of the week. And filling in for Marita today, who's on something called a rad run, which, best I can understand, it's a charity run where people shoot paintballs at you or something. Or it's a color run, but it's, uh, but it's taking place. I think, it's, I, think it's, uh, I think it might be up at the Brockton Fairgrounds or something. But, Jerry, do we have the Rick question of the week? Yes, we do. Uh, let's see here. Rick was asking in regards to... Uh, motorcycles. Uh, he was saying, why is it that even when you have AAA premium, it still costs extra for motorcycles, especially when being towed or any service, I guess, with motorcycles? Well, it's uh, he, he just found out about a brand new service that AAA is providing, and it is something that is absolutely brand new. Uh, we have we have we have provided in the past some limited motorcycle service but it's been very limited if uh you ran out of gas on a motorcycle we could come out but there wasn't much we could do because towing a motorcycle requires very uh specialized equipment yeah you know they can come out with a sling and hang it from the back of the truck it's not a good way to carry a motorcycle the right way to carry a motorcycle is with a uh, trailer or on the back of a ramp truck, we actually have these dedicated um, uh, fixtures that are able to get the motorcycle onto the ramp truck without doing any damage. So now what we have is a $30 add-on. It's $30. It covers everybody in the family. So if you have multiple members in the family, it covers all the members. And it provides the same type of service that our regular AAA would uh, provide. It's available only to AAA Plus and Premier members. If you're not, if you're a standard member, you can't get the motorcycle coverage. You have to upgrade to Plus or Premier. And we just, we actually just rolled it out, I think, Wednesday. So Rick's right on top of this. He, he knows. And in other parts of the country, it was actually motorcycle coverage was actually rolled in with um, RV plus coverage is how they described it. I think we haven't done RV servicing yet, although that might be something we're going to do in the future as well. So we started off kind of small with bicycles. Any AAA member who owns a bicycle, we will actually come out and if your bike, you know, you got a flat tire or the chain came off or something like that, we will come out and pick you and your bike up. And even in those cases, we have bike racks on the back of our light service vehicles, so. 
we can uh, get you and your bike somewhere. Our only requirement is we're able to get to you. So if you're on a bike trail somewhere 10 miles off the road, that's not going to be too helpful. But if you can get off to the, you can get to a road where one of our vehicles can go, that we're we're there for you. And when it comes to motorcycles, um. Yeah, yeah, and I've looked at they've, we've looked at a couple of different uh, pieces of equipment. I was I happened to be down at our fleet yesterday, and I saw something that looked like a sort of a landscape trailer, but it it was a much more heavy duty, and that's what they're using as um, one of the things they'll tow a motorcycle with. They'll get this up on the trailer. The other one was a smaller trailer, and it was. Um, I really kind of liked it, but the problem was it really wasn't designed. It was more of a transport trailer. It really wasn't designed to move a motorcycle that doesn't run because as you tried to push it or winch it up onto the trailer, you could only go so far, um, and you sort of ran into the fenders of the trailer because it was a, a narrow trailer, and it was a little bit more awkward, and the chances of actually uh, getting the, having the motorcycle get away from you could be a problem. So, uh, so why is it? Why do we charge an extra fee for it? Well, it's uh, something that we had to provide some extra equipment to our own fleet and our contractor fleet, and there's an extra fee because it's a premium type service. So, um, so that's the reason. So, but it's a if you own a motorcycle and you. Um, there's nothing worse than uh, all of a sudden being on a, a motorcycle ride and having it break down, and you can and you do the same thing. We'll tow you 100 miles just like we will with your car. So there's the answer, I guess. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, how you get through and 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 talk to me. I'd be happy to do that. Right now, let's talk to Bill. Good morning, Hi, Bill. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, John, I have a 2005 uh, Subaru Forester, mm-hmm. and when I when starting from a stop and the wheel is turned, I get a shudder. And when you know when you're going straight, it's everything's fine. And I'm wondering if you have any idea what that is. So it's a, a shudder. Yeah, it's like a, it, like a jerking motion, if you will, when the wheel is turned. And then when it, you know you straighten the wheel out, it's okay. Hmm. But it's only when you turn the wheel. Yeah, it, uh, just to pref- preface this, this is an all-wheel drive vehicle. Yeah, yeah, they all are. Okay, uh, and that's what has me a little bit worried is that maybe there's starting to be a problem with the all-wheel drive system hmm. because just like any all-wheel drive, whether it's a 25-year-old pickup truck or a Subaru, when you start to turn the wheel, that's when it starts to divert force from the front to the back. So it starts to move some of that torque and traction from the front wheels to the rear. So it may be the beginning of a a transfer case problem. Um, How many miles on it? It's got uh, about 114,000 on it. Yeah, that would be unusual that it would have that. But that's about, you know, that's about, from what you described, that's about the only thing I can really think of that would sort of fit into that category. Um, so I should be looking at the uh, the fluid level in the transfer case? Or? Yeah, I would definitely look at all the fluid levels, see what's going on there. Okay. Um, there... You know, there there's been there's been some you know some issues here and there, um, but there's no there's no real noise. It's just this sort of feel. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, uh, 
see if it's almost like a CV joint, but it's, yeah. but it's not. You know, it's, mm. it's uh, once you straighten it out, it's fine. But just um, very low speeds when you're you, you have the wheel turned, you get this um, like a like a, a, a shutter, a skipping uh, feeling. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely look at all the fluids, see see how they look, kind of go from there. Um you know, there hasn't been there hasn't been a huge amount of problems with those cars that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um the transmissions have been pretty good. You know, some of them do have the uh you said this is an 05? Correct. Yeah, I mean some of them do have the continually variable transmission, the CVT transmission. Those yeah. have not been those have not been stellar. I, I know they had to reflash the um, the computer because mm. it was shifting at you know the wrong speeds, if you will. Yep. But that was quite a while ago. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, I'd probably want to take it to the Subaru dealership okay. and go out and go out for a ride with um, with their transmission guy or mm-hmm. or one of their good technicians and just. You know, before we you know start to condemn the transmission, let's make sure we're all talking about the same thing. Right. Um, you know, it, what concerns me a little bit is, um, you know, Subaru did come out with a uh, with a remanufactured automobile, uh, you know, remanufactured automatic transmission program. That's never a good sign. Yeah, you know correct. when they yeah. when you know when they said you know what uh, we're going to come out with uh, we're going to come out with a uh, a remand transmission for this uh, so you can just take it right out of the box and put a new one in that always bothers me a little bit right but, uh, yeah I I haven't you know I haven't really seen or heard anything again they've been generally pretty good um, so I I think I I think I'd lean towards towards maybe a you know transmission transfer case you know it's sort of all yeah. the same thing in that but you know just just that um i guess it's always possible it doesn't does it feel at all like the engine's shuddering a little bit like it's like it's losing a no, plug or anything uh not no it's no? it's um it's almost like a c uh, constant velocity yeah. right it's, yeah um yeah it's 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 um i'll i'll, I'll Take it to the dealer. I'll let yeah. you know how I make out. Yeah, I, yeah. Because if it's CV joint, it would have to be for it to shutter like that. The CV joint would have to be either almost frozen up. So when you took it, it would be it would be that joint would you know be be so frozen that it was kind of making the car hop. Yeah. Um. And and if it's if it's loose or going to rattle, it's going to make noise. So. I don't think it's a CV joint. I think it's internal to the transmission transfer case. Um, and you may find maybe they're even... The the thing that concerns me a little bit would be if anywhere in the life of this vehicle, it had two different size tires on it for a long period of time, and it maybe did some damage to the transfer case. Yeah, it, it, I've owned it since it was no John, and it, it always had the same Always had the size. same. Yeah. yeah, okay, good. Okay, that's a good sign, because the, the, these Subarus, like some all-wheel drive Volvos are about the same vintage, they were very fussy about having the same size tires. So I guess at this point I'd take it to the dealer and, you know, just say, can you know, I just want to go off for a ride with somebody, show, you know, show them what I'm thinking about, and, you know, then give me an opinion on what you think is wrong with it. Thanks, John. Okay, take care, Bill. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030, Let's talk to Tom. Hey, Tom. Maybe not. Okay. (laughs) Um, 
We have we have our regular. Oh, we got Tom back. He's fast. He's he must know how to hit that re- redial button or something. Yeah, it's my senility, John. I is hit that what the it's? button by accident. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I called you last year about the AAA, the motorcycle towing, mm-hmm. and uh, when I saw it in the book the other day, I was really happy, and I, I think it's very fair, you know. Well, well, I, I want to say it was all because of you and me that we did it, but it you, probably wasn't. You did it. Yeah. No, it was you. <laughs> no, you do everything, yeah. John. <laughs> I want to give you the credit, so thank you. Okay. Because the funny thing, the other day I was down the road and my uh, oil light came on. So I had to do a few things, but I was saying, damn, I wish there was AAA out there. And I, honestly, I got home, the book was there, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> there you go. All right, good enough. I just want to ask you one other thing. Sure. Now, would that cover you? Say I'm up in New Hampshire. Um, depends. That's where I really Yeah, it depends where you are. Right now, it's sort of limited to within our club area, which is, our club area keeps expanding. It's hard to say where it is. But right now, our club area is... Uh, most of Massachusetts, a little bit of southern New Hampshire, only like Salem, New Hampshire, um, into New York and into part of New Jersey. But eventually all AAAs will have this. Um, you know, right. right now, if you're up in the White Mountains, you gotta, you have to actually roll your, uh, you have to roll your, um. Well, let's say like a very popular, like, like a Conia. I drove up there this year. And that was on my mind. I'm like, geez, my bike's yep. you now 40 years old. And I'm like, oh, geez, what if I broke down? Yep. How do I find out the coverage area if I don't go out of it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, any place there is, you know, any place where our AAA is, so it's not going to be up in Laconia, unfortunately. You're going to have to get on a big hill and roll it downhill until you hit Salem. Okay, that's what I'll okay. do. All right, yeah, but, thank you. But eventually, just to let you know, eventually that is going to change because AAA uh, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont is actually run by AAA Kenyon, and they're pretty progressive. So I see that starting to happen up there as well. So I think oh, okay. be, I right. think before long you'll be in pretty good shape. But if you're riding anywhere around here, you should be you, yeah. you'll, you'll be covered. Great, thank you, okay. John. All right, take care. Bye bye yeah, now. And speaking of good news, I was uh, I was uh, speaking with, uh, uh, and I mentioned this a uh, week or two ago, we got a phone call from one of our listeners who had a Corvette that the uh, slave cylinder failed in it, and he went and had the uh, slave cylinder replaced at the Chevy dealer, and he had the uh, clutch put in at the same time, even though the car only had, I think, sixteen or 18,000 miles on it, but it was a 10-year-old car, and, and, and it and, and it cost a fair amount of money to do it, and he was a little disappointed because it was only a few days outside of his warranty. And I spoke with um, with uh, Mike Albano, who is the head of PR for uh, Chevrolet, and I said, Mike, is there anything you can do? And he said, let me, uh, you know, I'll check. He said, and he actually uh, emailed me back, and he, he said, uh, I'm, I'm just getting off a plane. I'll look at this one, you know, when I get someplace where I can sit down. And sure enough, uh, our listener got a phone call from a, a, as he described, a very nice person at General Motors that said, how can we help you? They came up with some agreement and uh, hopefully restored some faith in, uh, in General Motors and Chevrolet. So good news all the way around. Uh, hey, sir. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Got a question about mom and dad's car. They have a 2007 uh, Chevy Impala. 
All right. And I'm going by what they tell me and going by what my brother-in-law told me. She's getting a funny beeping noise in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't know what was going on, and they're going to bring it to a local mechanic. Well, my brother-in-law works for a Mercedes dealer up in Westwood. Okay. And he says it's the fresh air vent that doesn't close or doesn't open, and it's stuck in an open position. That's probably what it is. And he's thinking, if you bring it to a dealership, it's going to cost like about thousand dollars mm-hmm. because it's up in a dashboard somewhere. Right. Does that sound like anything you've experienced or heard about? And it's actually beeping. Both of them have a hard time explaining to me what the noise is. Mm. The noise, whether it be beeping or if it's a, a bell ringing or something like that, saying that the vent is not closing. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a a tone because it wouldn't be. There's no tone that's tied into that. Now, that's not to say that there's not a heater controlled duct or something that. Um, is trying to open and close and maybe it's that solenoid starting to do it but whenever you start to take a dash apart to try to get to that um the uh you know that whole event back system is yep. can be a little bit challenging to get to you know there's a there's a there's a series of air doors in there and there is a there is one that you know goes for for um you know, fresh air and blended air and then hot and cold and things like that. So there's an air temperature door and, um, it, I, I guess, I guess it could be if that's where it sounds like the, that's coming from. If it is the air door actuator, it's not, it's not actually a big job. It's probably, actually, I can look it up here. Um, it's less than an hour's worth of labor to replace it. Really? So it, yeah. So it's not if it is the actuator, and there is a there. You know, the procedure to replace it. Um, you can actually get to it through the glove compartment. So um, you there's a there's a a little panel up inside there, and you, there's a recirculation. There's the actuator there. There's a module. Um, like all cars today, even the climate control system can be checked for codes. So, how about that it, year car? Yeah, yeah, no, that no, two thousand seven. That's you know, that's it. It's not, it's not a terribly bad, um, you know, bad job to do. In fact, uh, let's see. Let's is it say. something that does not have to bring to a dealership, or is that something uh, that has to be bought? No, I don't. I don't think it has to necessarily go to a dealer it, it like i said it doesn't it doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a big problem i mean certainly the only place the part's going to come from is from a from a dealer but that's if it is in fact you know this air door you know actuator um correct yeah yeah um that again i don't know why i suppose if it was stuck and it was trying to open and close open and close it could be making some kind of weird noise that might be it also yeah we're not yeah. able to describe it yeah and because i and asked my mother is there a bell is it a you know what is the different sounds you're hearing yeah is it a mechanical sound you know you try to get a better description yeah and they said well it's hard to explain plus they wear hearing aids so mm. you know it's one of those things that's kind of tough to do well yeah okay, it, yeah I, again i don't 
I don't see that. Um, but you don't see it as being a big job, so it might be better off just bring it. They bought it from McLaughlin Chevrolet. Oh yeah, yeah. Over in Whitman. Yeah. And they seem to be like normal Joes. Yeah. No, McLaughlin's a good place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, so I don't see it being a thousand dollar job in a Mercedes. It'd be a thousand dollar job. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I went down to his shop one time. He helped me to take a, a rotor, uh, at that time, a 96 GMC van. Couldn't get the rotor off. And it, it, uh, special tools called a uh, two-pound sledgehammer. Yep, yep, that's it. It works very good, you know? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> but yeah. he says, Tom, you see that uh, Mercedes over there? $3,200 to do the brakes. I says, all four? He says, no, just the front. 3200 <laughs> It was a certain type model, fancy pants yep. model Mercedes. I said, you're yep. kidding me. Well, that's like uh, when when Junior was on last week. We were talking about the uh, somebody wrote to me and had the uh, performance heavy duty brake system in a Corvette, and the rotors were twenty five hundred dollars a piece. A piece. A piece. Yikes. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, like I, I remember being at a uh, I was at a uh, uh, Chrysler dealership years ago, yeah. and somebody was talking about they had one of the first Hemi's that had the double spark plugs in it, and you know, first Hemi's of the new ones. And somebody said sixteen spark plugs. You know, how much is that going to cost? And it was whatever the price was. It was you know expensive. And and the guy who was dropping the guy off to have the car worked on looked at him and said, Hey, you know, if you're going to drive like a sport, you got to pay like a sport. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so. I know I used to get upset when my Nissan, I had like a, I think it was a 84 Nissan. And it was a four-cylinder, nothing fancy, but it had eight spark plugs. Yeah, oh yeah. And I said, yeah. you're kidding me. That means yeah. I have to get eight wires and, you know, the typical... Yeah, and that was one of those cars that that had it had a plug for waste spark, and that was one of those ones that it would run on half the spark plugs, but it just would never run right. But people didn't know it, and they're like, you know, it's just not running right. And then you go into a good shop, and they put you know a set of you know all eight plugs and all eight wires in it, and go, wow, it's like a new car now. So, oh yeah, yeah. Hey Tom, we hey, gotta go. Hey, just quickly, uh, Junior had the great idea. We went to McDonald's, got the uh, got the lobster roll, roll, and it was great. He, he he knows his seven ninety nine lobster roll. He does. Hey, All listen, right. Have a great weekend. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is our phone number. Why don't you give us a call? My name is John Paul. This is Car Doctor Program. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kurt, your Interstate Battery Guy. I know I've been saying hi for a little while now, but I think it's time you meet more of our outrageously dependable Interstate Battery team. Why? Because we want you to join us. Hi, I'm Cody. I spend my day talking with good people about great products. Hey, I'm Sean, and I love the monthly bonus when we hit our goals. Hi, I'm Janine, and we have great customers. I'm Pete. I love when we get ice cream in the afternoon. Hello, I'm Ray. I started here as a seasonal employee three years ago. Claude here. I like the flexibility in the schedule so I can go bowling tonight. I'm Brett, and I've been doing this since I was 11 years old, and I think I might believe Interstate Battery Green. That's our team. Good people, getting the work done and keeping the work day fun. If you're looking for a place to work that you might call home, check us out, and you'll be glad you did. We are Interstate Batteries in Woburn. You can search for us at interstatebatteries.com, Woburn. Interstate Battery needs you. Woo! 
Play ball. This is the Discount Duchess coming to you from McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm here with my little darlings catching a Paw Sox baseball game, but I couldn't wait to tell you that I not only bought tickets for my little darlings, but also for my Countess Cousins family, too. What a fabulous idea to take your whole family for a day at the park and all at half price. That's only $4.50 per ticket. Visit WEZE or WRLRadio.com to get half off Paw Sox tickets all season long. As energy prices go up, your cooling bills can make you extremely hot. But now there's a way to extinguish the problem. Mitsubishi Electric Systems can cool and heat multiple rooms or just one room at a time with no ductwork. If you think about it, why pay to cool the whole house when you only use a few rooms? Mitsubishi Electric's advanced technology gives you the most efficient, reliable way to cool or heat while cutting up to 30% off your energy bills versus traditional HVAC. Plus, they filter allergens and are quieter than a human whisper. You can even control them remotely with a smartphone or tablet. They're perfect for remodels, fixing hot and cold spots, or replacing your entire HVAC system. I'm Mike Francione, owner of Coastal Heating and Air Conditioning in Quincy. We at Coastal have you covered for all your heating, AC, and refrigeration needs. Call Coastal today at 617-770-0636 or visit us on the web at CoastalAHR.com. Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Live better. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And I think we may still have, do we still have Paul on the phone? Paul, good morning and welcome to The Car Doctor program. How are you doing, Don? Good, how are you? Um, good. My call might be related to your last caller, but I'm not sure. All right. I have a 2011 Ford Explorer. Okay. And in the last few days, when I start the car up and it's cold, I get a rapid clicking sound from right behind the glove box, uh, almost like a staple gun, 10 to 15 yep. in a row, and then it stops. Yeah, and that, that is exactly the same thing. That is the air door actuator. It's a little electrical driven solenoid with a little gear assembly that opens and closes and it's broken jam something uh you know a pencil fell down the dash and it's holding it open uh but that's but that's the noise it's coming from it's coming from that actuator okay so, and that's not a big i already have an well, appointment with the dealer well on your explorer Probably it may be a different story. Uh, um, Ford Ford has a good habit of burying a lot of parts in their cars. So um, you said it's what year is it? Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Well, let's take a look. Let's see if we can look something up here and see what see what it looks like. It's just um, it's. You know, sometimes they build these things and they're pretty they're pretty easy to get to, and other times they make them a little bit harder to get to. And my recollection is that this may be one of the ones that's maybe just a little bit a little bit more difficult to to get to. But I think it's going to be the same thing. I think it's going to be the uh, the uh, uh, the air register and the solenoids that are all involved with that, and. Um, you know, but to get it apart to to f- 
to find it is um, is going to be fairly easy. But it might be one of those ones that you can do without you know without taking uh, taking everything apart because it it might be that it's. Uh, literally behind the glove compartment so once you take the glove compartment out you might be able to get to it without too too much trouble um it, it sounds so loud it almost sounds like it's in the glove box yeah it, it, and it will because in in vision in vision it's a it's a little it's its own little gearbox sort of thing and it's mounted on on the um on the climate control module on the HVAC box itself, so it's going to be it's going to be rattling around and making you know making a lot of noises in there. So uh, it will it will make all it will certainly make all kinds of noise. Um, I don't you know I was looking to see if maybe there was some sort of technical service bulletin or something like that. Um, they did actually have one that came up with. Um, does, is this the um, is this the fancier one where it has the, um, uh, you can have a different temperature on the driver and passenger side? Yes. Yeah, they're actually, they actually did have a little bit of an extended warranty coverage for this. Um, I'm, I'm on extended warranty anyway. I'm you are? Okay, good. Okay, because they actually did come out with an extended warranty because there was the blend door actuator um, is... Um, uh, on some of these with the dual door uh, actuator control did break so this actually may even if it wasn't under the extended warranty it might it might actually be you know under under some sort of a warranty still so you might you might actually get lucky with this yeah I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have the extended warranty I did call you a few months ago with a, a my, my Ford sink issue mm. and they finally uh, after multiple trips back to the dealer they replaced the brains. Oh. For the uh, my Ford sink, mm. and that's about a fifteen hundred dollar pot. So they tell me, and um, they uh, that it's now working fine. Well, that's well, that's some news, I guess. <laughs> At least it's working. Um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's flawless yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. That's that's good to know. Yeah, I would I would go back and have them look at it, but I think you're going to find out it is that actuator, and it may be similar to Tom's parents' uh, Impala, and maybe they're hearing the same thing. It sounds like a you know a toy machine gun going off. So. Yeah, it's almost yep. like a I, I, like a staple gun. I'm still here. Click, yep. click, click, yep. click, click. Yep. No, that's it. That and then 15, and then I don't hear it the rest of the day. Yeah. No, that's it. No, I I would say that's a bad actuator. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank good you. enough. Thanks. Bye bye now. And let's go to Don. Good morning, Don. Yes. Good morning, gentlemen. John Paul. I've got a question regarding a 2002. Chevy and Paula, its granddaughters. Okay. We placed the directional in the front. Don't know what was the matter with it. The bulb was out. Uh, it didn't work. I changed the bulb, mm-hmm. and what was happening? What's happening now is when you turn the directionals left or right, the rear ones work very fast, like they shouldn't, mm-hmm. because it's like a, a you know bad bulb. Yeah. But in the front. They both, on left or right, blink together. I have really? no idea whether it's a flasher or a relay in there or no, something that no, was a bad ground. It's it's probably a bad ground or a shorted wire somewhere. For both of them to flash together, it's feeding back. And I bet they're flashing together, but they're flashing a little dimmer than normal. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a bad ground in in there somewhere. And what you might try to do, look at the you know look at the connection on the socket and actually figure out which one's the ground and reground that. You know, just run a temporary wire. Right. Tip, and I bet right. it solves the problem. Oh, you yeah. are the best. Well, you know. Yeah. Let, you let, know, me know, let me know next week if it works because I could be wrong. So. Uh, well, you've always been right, so it's good. What would you get if you were to get the most simple car out there? Simple. In my hand, I have a Pinto key that they had in the early 70s, which had two gaps, 25,000 and 30,000, yep. which was a screwdriver. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, sure. Red, white, and blue. I have one in my hand out of my archives, and I'm saying, whatever happened to simplicity? Well, you know, it's funny though. You say that how simple something like a Pinto was until the, until you know people people like me looked and said, "What's this rubber timing belt? What were they thinking?" You know, and it's like, "What's wrong with them?" You know, why would they put a rubber belt on that needs maintenance? You got to take the engine apart. Yeah. So, you know, and those carburetors on those carburetors on that car weren't any real bargain either. So the Webers. Yeah, I know. I, I had them, and I had the special tool for adjusting yep. the valve. Yeah. You no, know, but on it, the German engine. Yeah, as far as a simple car, um, it was it, you know you, today there are no simple cars. There, you know, they all have you know twelve computers in them. Some of them don't even have regular wiring. They run they run almost like computer you know you know the ribbon cat five cables and, and wow. they, they multiplex stuff and they have literally computer bus wires that run from one computer to another and if the bus goes bad all of a sudden things stop working there is no simplistic cars anymore and you know if i was looking for something and it used to be well i'm going to go buy a diesel because a diesel, you know, you need a, you need a battery to get it going, and then once it gets going, there's nothing left. It runs it runs all day until you hmm. figure out how to shut it off. That's not even the case. All the diesels today are all computer controlled. They all have all kinds of fancy emission systems. That's why they're so clean. And it's just something that it's just something that uh, there is no simple simple car. So what you try to look for is you look for one that either has a really good warranty or one that has a good history of being very dependable. Like like uh, you know, like a Toyota Corolla or something like that, mm-hmm. a Honda Civic. You know, they're they're good, dependable cars. They last a long time, and they're not simple, but they don't break as often. Right. So you go yep. for the quality. Actually, yep. we just got we had a Mazda 323 that was totaled, and we ended up with an Elantra GT zero nice defect. Car. My yep. wife loves it. Uh, everything about it is good, except for maybe the cloth on the side of the doors, which could get scungy easy. But no, no complaints. Yeah, no, it's a good you know, car. So it's, it's all good. I yeah. thank you. You're a gentleman and a scholar. And I just remember last month somebody had the audacity to call you an intern. You know, <laughs> you know, I talk about insulting and condescending. I, I, I just, I'm still outraged by it. Well, so, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because there aren't many of you people out there that have integrity, knowledge, and have the personality. I used to be a fan of Junior D'Amato. I used to go where he was. You yep. know, doing openings of oil change places and all the rest when I had a George Dakota. And I got to be known as Dakota Dawn because they had so many problems, especially when yep. I had four cylinder yep. ones. And, you know, who else do you turn to? Yeah. So no, you, you know, you're, it, you're a great guy. Well, thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. Thank bye-bye you now. for being there. Bye. All right. Bye bye now. Uh, let's. Why don't we do a little trivia? And I have this little bit of an interview I want to play. It's. An, uh, I think. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Um, 
It is, and I'll do our trivia question. I'll let Jerry handle that. Um, on this day, August 1st, 1941, um, I think this is really simple. The uh, There was a vehicle that was introduced to the uh, U.S. Army. What was the name of it? If you know, give Jerry a call at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. And uh, Jerry will take the first right answer. He'll send that to me. You'll win a little prize. You'll also be entered to win a AAA membership certificate. So you're all set. And if you want to try to win the Blue Driver scan tool or scan tool adapter for your smartphone, all you have to do is email me at jpaul at northeast.com and we will enter you into a raffle to win this $100 scan tool. And uh, I, like I said, I had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to uh, talk with, uh, talk with the president of Chrysler Brands, and why don't we do that interview? And Jerry, if you could just take our, uh, take our, uh, uh, well, why don't we? Okay, I think you're right because Jerry doesn't know the answer. So let's let's try. Uh, Paul has the answer. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, hi. I, I think it's probably a Jeep by the year. Okay, and and who was the who who started that Jeep company? Uh, Willie's, isn't it? You you are absolutely correct. It was on August 1st, 1941, Willie's introduced the Jeep to the U.S. Army. Yeah, and um, give me a second here. I, I kind of knew that. Then they, then they merged and became um, Willie's Kaiser. Or Kaiser. I, believe, I believe that was the case. I believe that was the case. The, um, I remember where we the, need Sam Fiorani. Excuse me? This is where we need Sam Fiorani from the 830. Time oh, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah. They, I know that when, when they merged, I, I think a Kaiser had like a, uh, it was, I guess, probably the first, one of the first windshields in the front that was not split, but it it had like a, it was almost heart-shaped in the front. Mm. It dipped yeah. uh, right where the rearview mirror is. Yeah. Uh, the kind of distinctive-looking cars. But anyway, uh, Jeep. Yeah, and, and, uh, Willie's Jeep, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Army needed a, a little utility vehicle that could go anywhere and talk about simplistic. Not much complicated than that. I, I heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, now let's, let's go. The, um, that there were so many when the war ended that uh, uh, in Europe, and, and because they thought it would hurt the uh, automobile market here. I, you know, I, I heard that as well. I don't know how true that is, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it made a good story. <laughs> it made a good story. You know, and and you know, uh, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, and Jeep actually means something, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, we need we need a we need a World War II veteran. Yeah. Well, that, uh, yeah. Little, I'll tell you what, stay right, stay right there, Jerry will, Jerry will get your address down and we'll get you Thanks. out something and we'll also enter you in to win a uh, AAA membership certificate. Oh, thank which you very you, much. Which you can, use, you can use to uh, you know, uh, become a AAA member if you're not, help renew uh, yeah. your membership or give it away to a family member, whatever uh, you like. Just, uh, you mentioned that there's no, there's, there's something called a premium membership now. I mean, there's the one with the extra mileage, and there's a third. There's a third one called premium, which premium. gives you uh, one 200 mile, a bunch of different things. But probably the big difference is it gives you a 200 mile tow once per year. So if you're if you're really far away from home, we'll tow your car 200 miles. So. Oh, oh okay. okay. 
Good enough. Well, thank you very much. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you. Jerry will take care of that. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Al Gardner, president of Chrysler. We'll be right back. Every day I'd watch their beauties roll by, and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry. Because I always wanted me one that was long and black. Hi, this is Paul Sullivan of the Sullivan Tire Company. Summer road trips are finally upon us, and we have another great deal for you. Thanks, Paul. If you've been putting off buying tires, now's the time to do it. All this month, buy three, get one free. Or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire U-Line tires in stock. Sullivan Tire is New England's tire headquarters with thousands of quality tires in stock at the best prices. Sullivan Tire is a full-service maintenance center with over 100 certified master technicians standing by to keep your car running right. Again, all this month, buy three, get one free, or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire Value Line tires in stock. For details, visit SullivanTire.com slash 60 years or call 877-592-TIRE. For over 60 years, our family has been servicing New England motorists. Thank you for trusting us with your vehicle and letting us grow alongside your family. Hi-ho, baseball lovers! At the Pawtucket Red Sox game last week, the Duke and I noticed these lovely tents serving delicious barbecue. Then we thought, why not enjoy some barbecue and some baseball all in one day, all for half price? So, for only $14.50, you can attend the August 7th Paw Sox versus Syracuse Chiefs game and have delectable barbecue beforehand. Just go to WEZE or WROL Radio to order your tickets today. But hurry, time's a ticking and the seats won't last. Hey, so I'm sure you've heard the Interstate Battery Team in Woburn needs help. The skills for all our positions can be taught, but you've got to bring the talents. If you're dependable, a problem solver, like to sell, and are a high achiever, you should call me. The number is 800-649-3662. You can ask for Kurt. Or simply email your resume to batterypros at horizon.net. We have part-time and full-time positions available for customer service staff, professional route sales staff, and delivery drivers. Come join our team. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Austin. I I don't want to say I ran into him, and I don't want to sound, you know, pretentious that I was invited to have dinner with uh, the president of Chrysler, but it was kind of a combination of both things. I was uh, invited to a Red Sox game. This was a week ago Friday. Uh, they won that night, actually, and uh, it was at, um, it was uh uh, the inv- invitation came from uh, uh, the folks at Chrysler, and they said, oh, by the way, we'd like to have you come to a Red Sox game, and, oh, by the way, the president of Chrysler is going to be at the Red Sox game. So which I said, I don't know the president of Chrysler, so this would be kind of a good opportunity. The hard part was it was a uh, to try to find a quiet place to chat with someone at a Red Sox game is a little bit hard, but I kind of dragged uh, Al Gardner, he's the president of Chrysler, off to one side, and my question to Al was, what's new and hot at Chrysler these days? Well, new and hot at Chrysler these days is all the fun stuff, so... Uh the big corporation has uh, Hellcats, which everyone seems to have heard about. 
um, the new Cherokees out, the new 200s out, the new 300, the Charger, the Challenger, and, and we're just about launching the Jeep Renegade, which is a nice small little Jeep that's decidedly cool. And the uh, Hellcat is one of those cars that I remember I wrote a little something about it, and somebody said, does somebody need 707 horsepower? And I said, probably not, but on the other hand, I'm awfully glad they built it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, too. Yeah, we don't build very many of them, but what we build, uh, the enthusiasts absolutely love. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with 707 horsepower, That's if you can manage it and handle it, and it's good stuff. Yeah, I was actually at a car show, and I saw somebody had rolled up in one, and I was kind of curious about the guy who owned it, and it was probably in his 70s. Really? Yeah. And I, and I asked everyone. And I asked him about it, and I said, really? And he said to me, there's nothing wrong with horsepower. <laughs> That's the greatest thing, it really is. Anytime you put a supercharger in a Challenger, I get a whole bunch of people saying, we really need a convertible, and uh, we're not starting rumors, by the way, so uh, there is no convertible coming right now. So. But it will be fun, too. Yeah. I bet it will. And, you know, you, you kind of rattle off the lineup, and, you know, certainly up here in New England, Jeep has done extraordinarily well. Um, and the, the new uh, diesel engine in the Jeep, uh, with the range of over 700 miles per fill-up, uh, has really started to appeal to a lot of people, and especially now where diesel fuel and, and gasoline getting pretty similar in price. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting. We look at uh, hybrids and diesels and electrics all in, in the same basic genre, we'll call it, that says you can get fabulous fuel economy and you don't have to spend the earth to get a hybrid. You can get it from a diesel. We've done it for years with trucks. Um, we've never thought about doing it in a car because there just doesn't seem to be a consumer that was looking for that, but in an SUV it's absolutely spectacular. The Grand Cherokee with the diesel is one of the, the best vehicles we sell. Not inexpensive, but but you get it all back from the standpoint of you're not going to pay for your gas. So, uh, yeah, it's a great plan. Yeah, I just did a little study on diesels and looked at the cost of gasoline and the premium you pay for diesel. And what I really found out was in a lot of makes, it's really the depreciation goes down so much slower than diesel. And even though you pay a premium, you keep it for three or four years, and all of a sudden you find out the resale value is much higher than it would be if it was a gasoline car. Yeah, and there's any question. It's a great value, great proposition, and it's an investment up front. There's no question about it, but it pays off over time, and uh, no question. It's going to be around for a while. And uh, with the new Chrysler 200, when that car was being designed, kind of what was the customer mind when, when that car was put up? So think about the Chrysler brand. Chrysler brand is really the mainstream artery for, for FCA, Fiat Chrysler automobiles for the U.S. So the 200 was uh, a mid-sized car going up against the Camrys and the Accords, the Altimas, um, some great cars, Fusion, Malibu. Um, we built it with slightly different flair to it. It's got to have elegant, sophisticated lines on the outside. It's a beautiful-looking car. But the real story is on the inside. The inside of that vehicle is designed to have the craftsmanship that you don't expect when you get in a mid-sized car. So it starts at $21,500, uh, comes with a four-cylinder engine with a nine-speed automatic transmission, gets 36 miles per gallon, but it also comes with a list of lineup of contents and, and features that no one else has, an all-wheel drive system uh, that decouples the rear to improve fuel economy, a, a, a safety and security systems, I think there are 60, more than anyone else in the segment. Um, all the things you wouldn't necessarily expect in a mid-sized car, but we price them exactly on the competition. We just give you a lot more for it. Yeah, I was even surprised to see that nine-speed automatic where in some other manufacturers you, you see that 
seven, eight, nine-speed transmission only in the premium models yeah. and not with the two models. No, that's exactly right. And that's what it's all about. For us, it's let's let's figure out a way to build mainstream, great products at prices that people can afford, but pack them full of content. And a nine-speed, you're right. You find them in a BMW. You might find it in a Lexus, but you're not going to find it in a mid-sized car from a domestic automobile manufacturer. So, no, we do eight-speeds, and we put them in our 300 Charger and Challenger. We do nine-speeds. We put them in Cherokees, and we put them in, uh, in 200s. And it's fantastic for the customer. They're smooth, they're easy shifting, and they've got great fuel economy. And they actually shift as opposed to some of the other competitors. <laughs> John, you're not going to get me to go down that path, but yeah, something like that. And, um, you know, a lot of times people think about uh, Chrysler and they harken back to the old days at Chrysler and Chrysler being true luxury cars. Um, and you're putting luxury in a $21,000 car, but when you talk about true luxury, um, you know, how, how do you satisfy that customer? Well, that's a really good question, because you're right. Chrysler, for a long time, was known as the luxury side of what Chrysler Group was at the time, or Chrysler Corporation. The reality is what we do is, and we do it with the 300, we build the what we would call the limited car, which is your start-off model inside at about $30,000, and then we build an S for performance, and it's fun, it's got a V8, it's got side sills and spoilers and almost 400 horsepower. And then we buy a, have a C and a Platinum on top that, that tops out to call it $42,000. And in it, we will put every luxury thing that we can possibly find. So you're going to find napa leather interiors. You're going to find beautiful wood grain, real wood interiors. You won't find that on a car of that price on Debu. And of course, we fill it with a whole bunch of attitude. So it comes with that big old front end on a 300, and it is fun to drive. And, and finally, you know, we talked about the 200, the 300, a little bit about the Jeep. Um, you know, everybody's concerned about the millennials. What, what are the millennials going to buy? What, you know, what's that age group to, you know, late teens, early 20s, and, and how are you trying to appeal to them? Are you doing it with the 200 and maybe the Jeep Renegade? And, and you're exactly right. So we have a selection of products between the 200, the Dart, the Renegade, which is obviously this new small Jeep, um, and it is designed for that clientele in mind from the standpoint of you can get every electronic feature you could possibly think of, whether it's Bluetooth, whether it's wireless, whether it's a satellite radio, it, it's very much about connectivity. They drive beautifully, they get very cool fuel economy, and they look good. But the reality is, they do all the things that our kids want to do, which is they want to hook their iPads in, and they want to, frankly, I think all of us do, the 50s and 60-year-olds want to do exactly the same thing. So so we have a huge appeal. Of course, we, then we throw a Wrangler in the middle of this whole mess, and uh, people want one of those too. And they do, and I think they really missed it when it was gone for a while. They did. And it's now it's really cool. Now you got a two-door and a four-door, and never know where we might go. And that was uh, Al Gardner. He is the president of Chrysler Brands, and uh, uh, I thank him for inviting me to a Red Sox game last Friday night. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, they've... you know, we talked about the Hellcat. Well, if you want to buy a 2015 Hellcat, well, you're not going to get it. You're going to get a 2016, and you're going to have to wait for it. We need to take another break. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be back in just a minute. And, yes, it is a rag top day. Hey there, it's Kurt, your interstate battery guy. Summertime car woes are a bummer, but they do happen. So here are a couple things you should have on hand to keep it safe. First, I don't know about you, but my car troubles seem to occur whenever my cell phone battery is low. 
So you need to have a backup power supply for your cell phone. Two, a professional-grade booster pack. We have some in our shop with an air compressor also. Three, a good 3-watt or better LED flashlight. Rechargeable or alkaline, you should not be without this. Four, LED-style safety flares. Ours have 30 flash patterns. They're highly visible up to 10 miles. It fits right in the palm of your hand. And there are no flames, just bright lights. Find us fast at interstatebattery.com in Moburn. Stop by and we'll put together a safety kit for you. And we'll check your car battery too. No charge. (laughs) Get it? Remember, work, rest, or play. Always choose outrageously dependable interstate batteries. Hi, this is Paul Sullivan of the Sullivan Tire Company. Summer road trips are finally upon us, and we have another great deal for you. Thanks, Paul. If you've been putting off buying tires, now's the time to do it. All this month, buy three, get one free. Or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire Value Line tires in stock. Sullivan Tire is New England's tire headquarters with thousands of quality tires in stock at the best prices. Sullivan Tire is a full-service maintenance center with over 100 certified master technicians standing by to keep your car running right. Again, all this month, buy three, get one free, or buy one and get the second at 50% off on all Yokohama and Sullivan Tire Value Line tires in stock. For details, visit SullivanTire.com slash 60 years or call 877-592-TIRE. For over 60 years, our family has been servicing New England motors. Thank you for trusting us with your vehicle and letting us grow alongside your family. Hey, so I'm sure you've heard the Interstate Battery Team in Woburn needs help. The skills for all our positions can be taught, but you've got to bring the talents. If you're dependable, a problem solver, like to sell, and are a high achiever, you should call me. The number is 800-649-3662. You can ask for Kurt. Or simply email your resume to batterypros at horizon.net. We have part-time and full-time positions available for customer service staff, professional route sales staff, and delivery drivers. Come join our team. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Austin. Uh, We have our friend Paul Sullivan in the studio who apparently has a car problem. Yeah, you um, you have to diagnose something for me, JP. All right. I'm driving home from work the other day, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, the check engine light not only comes on, but begins a flashing. Yeah, well, my first thing is, isn't it terrible that you're in management now and you actually have to work in the in the summertime as a school teacher? Uh, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> beyond that, yeah, we'll take that as given and granted and all that. And yes. Okay. But yeah, uh, what what happens is when the check engine light comes on, it means there's a computer, the computer in the car has detected a malfunction. When the check engine light starts to flash, that means the engine is starting to misfire. And why, they, why it starts to flash is it's a signal to the vehicle operator to stop the car and try to drive it as little as possible because... If the engine is allowed to misfire like that from something like a bad spark plug or spark plug wire or, or even, you know, could be a fuel injector or something, it will eventually melt the catalytic converter because the catalytic converter can can really only process um, 
so much fuel and when it's misfiring he's trying to process an additional amount of fuel and uh you all of a sudden could take something which could be as simple as a spark plug repair and turn it into a you know fifteen hundred dollar catalytic mm-hmm. repair so well that it, would also account for the smell of gasoline it could yeah. it very well could so. which, which accompanied the flashing uh, yeah yeah, so you need you need to. I hope I hopefully it's in it's in my driveway because okay. I haven't driven it since then. But I was wondering whether I had to um, take advantage of my um, premium AAA membership to have the car towed, or if I could drive it, you know, twenty minutes to the um, to my favorite mechanic. You would be honestly better off having a towed. Just unless you get in it, you know, to, you know, Monday morning and start it up, and the check engine like goes out which it very well could do yeah um but uh you would be better you would be safest to have a tote then uh, i will call one of your friends and yeah. have that done one 800 a help there there you go it's the best uh, by the way that's the best present anyone can give to anyone else and this is totally unsolicited from uh, john it, the AAA membership is worth its weight in well, whatever it weighs. Oh, uh, tow trucks. In tow trucks, right. It's worth its weight in tow trucks. Yep. That's what it, membership. Are you working on that? I, I was looking at some, um, I was listening to some of the old uh, podcasts. And one uh, time we talked about, uh, at some point in time, AAA would uh, get to the point where you just call them for a ride. Hey, yeah, guys. we're not we're not quite there yet, but uh, you know, as you and I get to the age where we're not going to be able to drive anymore, that right, could, tomorrow, that, yeah, yeah, that could that could be something. But that was that was originally something that you know we want people to keep their um, you know AAA memberships forever, and uh, eventually, you know, you you may not drive anymore, and that it, it may be a possibility coming up somewhere in the future. But the other thing, AAA actually did an interesting study that said the longer you drive, the help. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up now. The very best in Irish music heard right here just about all weekend long on AM 950 WROL. Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.